the Bible. Hope everyone is having an amazing day. We are in Daniel chapter 5. It's a lovely 405 on this uh, Wednesday, September 14th, 2022. 405 in the, in the uh, afternoon. Beautiful day outside on the yeah, sunny 88 degrees. Here at the dealership, getting my car worked on. I felt in my spirit that I should just take the day off. So that's what I did. After driving 24 hours between uh, between Monday and Tuesday, 12 hours on Monday, 12 hours on Tuesday. So um, yeah, decided to take the day off and brought my car into the dealership to get serviced. So yeah, that's what I'm doing here at the dealership. Getting my car serviced. It's a really nice truck. Nissan Frontier. I think the next vehicle I want to get is a Nissan Pathfinder. Yeah, I like Nissans. Alright, y'all. I want to read Psalm 14 first since today is the 14th. So they're almost down on my car. They're just doing a quality check now. Final check. See, they're almost done. Let's do what we can on this recording. All right. Did I say to the 14th? Yep. All right. So Psalm 14 says, this is the heading for this is a portrait of sinners. Written for the choir director, the Psalm of David. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do vile deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there is one who is wise, one who seeks God. That's you. That's you guys. Anyone, I believe if you came to this podcast, you did not stumble on this podcast by accident. Um, Whether I met you in person during an Uber ride and I told you about it, or you just found me randomly on randomly in quotes on Google or on this searching podcast, whatever. And you are seeking God, seeking his will. Oh, uh, yes, sir. Awesome. Hey, hey, sorry about that. They got my car done a lot sooner than and I was anticipating, so here we are. It's eleven nineteen in the evening now. I should be sleeping. Oh, we're well, 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 winding down. It's September fourteenth, twenty twenty two. Had an amazing day. Got my yeah. Got my oil changed. And what else? What else? What else? What else? Had a good talk with the guys. A, a cool young man that uh. He's like the service guy that I see every time I'm there. He's a young Christian. And uh, what else? What else? What else? Um, I was able to link up with my homeboy, TJ. Got one of his hoodies. 
Rags the Righteous. Go check it out on Facebook. Rags the Righteous. If you want to order a hoodie, you have to order it through the app. It won't work through the website. to say no. Uh, and I recommend messaging Mr. TJ Riddle. Something was going on with his uh with the Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, look him up. TJ Riddle. Look up Rags the Righteous. Because when I placed my order, for some reason, he said he didn't see it. Uh, normally he gets an email. Uh, but yeah, 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 it all worked out well. Yeah, I got to, he, I was able to see him downtown, link up with him. And it was cool, because I prayed with him, and then this, I was praying with him, and this, like, random, in quotes, uh, homeless dude came up to us and asked for prayer. So that was cool, just an opportunity to bless that guy. Um, it was cool, it was cool. And then after that, I uh, was able to make it to the Cure Church for service there. That was really good. That guy gave the talked about the uh, prodigal son and five things that ways that we can be like the father in that situation, have the heart of the father, because Jesus represents that father. The, the what the father represents Jesus toward us, God toward us. Um, when it comes to the prodigal, so that story never gets old. Like I could literally go to church every Sunday, and if they preach the prodigal son story every Sunday, I would yeah, I could listen to that same sermon. But it would be cool to like hear people tell it from different backgrounds. Like my story is I'm yeah, like hear people share their prodigal son stories, because yeah, all of it. Well, not all of it. Well, a lot of us. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but some of us has fallen even far, like really far and backslid and gone, you know, I went through a season in my life where you got to get up there and tell all your business, like about the people you slept with or all the drugs you did. But, you know, tell a little, you know, I love the people that get up and tell like they tell all their business like they for real, like they don't hold anything back. But I don't know. You got to be careful sometimes because <laughs> like, they're being real and honest and raw. Just sometimes you got to be careful because there's people in the audience who it can trigger them because um, they might have dealt with some of those like painful things that you're dealing with. But at the end of the day, just if you get up and tell any testimony, just pray that the Holy Spirit leads you and um, gives you the word to say. Because triggering people isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just brings up things that you may not have healed from yet. And everybody's at different stages. So. I mean, like, if you had, like, molestation in your background or you did, like, you might have abused somebody like I did. I was domestically violent to my wife. And so somebody who is currently being battered or been battered in the past um, or, you know, and that word domestic violence is kind of a hard one because when people hear it, they automatically think, like, the worst case scenario, like, you beat that person up and made them go to the hospital. Like, my situation wasn't like that. It could have gone there, but it didn't. Um, anyway, yes, in sharing a testimony of way you ways you've been like a prodigal, you walked away from God. Sometimes you tell a lot of details. Not everyone's ready to hear it. Um, but at the end of the day, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you to say it, I feel like testimonies are the most powerful things that can be used. Your testimony is like the greatest evangelism tool you have. So. 
anyway, before this recording becomes like super duper long and I'm up past midnight, my goal is to get in bed before midnight. Because I got to wake up early to do some Uber driving and then I'm supposed to be going to this pastor's prayer gathering that happens every third Thursday of the month here in the North KC area at our church. Uh, one of the co-pastors invited me to that and then um, I'm going, it's going to be a long day tomorrow and then I have my counseling appointment at 2.30 and then I was invited to go watch the Chiefs game at 7. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll probably watch that and then as soon as it's over, I'll go Uber for a while. Shoot, I might Uber all night. Hmm. Anyway. All right, y'all. Here we go. Psalm 14, since it's the 14th. Reading out of the New King James Version. Folly of the godless in God's final triumph. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. That's what I was going to say. That's what I said earlier. Those of y'all that have listened to this podcast are just, you know, making an effort to follow Jesus. Like he recognizes that effort, even the, the smallest attempts that you may make, whether that's going to church, praying, spending time in his word. He recognizes all those little baby steps um, for you, those of y'all that are new to Christ um, or never even accepted Jesus in your heart yet and you're, you're, you're searching, he recognized that. And yeah, when it says the Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God, that's what he's talking about you. He's talking about all of us. And then I think of Romans 3.23 when I read this, where it says all have turned aside, because Romans 3.23 says we, everyone has fallen, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Or when I think of the word sin, I think of missing the mark, missing the target that God has for us. Um, the path, staying on the path that he has, the destiny that he has for each and every one. So at some point, everyone in this life is going to fall or veer off the path. Even the most righteous Billy Graham walking preacher in this world has had times where they have not fully walked directly with the Lord. And God knows those times. God knows that. There's things that you look at somebody and they look a certain way and you have no clue what they've been through or what they're currently going through or what they're about to go through. Anyway, verse four, have all the workers of iniquity, no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call on the Lord. There they are in great fear for God is with the generation of the righteous. You're, you shame the counsel of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion when the Lord brings back the captivity of his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. I, I, as I've said so many times in this podcast, I love when it uses the name Israel and Jacob and I always pay attention to when he uses just one versus the other. And uh, Jacob is, of course, the name that deals with, you know, he was a deceiver. You know, he's um, 
stole the birthright from his brother, the birthright and the blessing from his brother Esau, and also did some other scheming stuff when it came to his uh, father-in-law Laban. And then, yeah, he wrestled with God, and God gave him that new name, Israel. So Israel is like the blessing name, like his new name. Um, and the fact that, I always say, the fact that God would be associated with a deceiver just shows you God's grace, his mercy, and his love, and his plan for each and every one of us. No matter what your background is, what you've done in the past, what you're currently doing, or what you're going to do in the future, like Jesus has a plan for you, and he desires... Apparently, I got to read. Fine, I think it's going to say that in the New Testament, where it talks about he gives a where there's like a new name written in heaven for us, like I believe written on a stone or something like that. I'm yeah, y'all can go Google it, but we'll get there eventually. <laughs> we're born. We're all yeah. When you accept Jesus Christ in your heart, you're born again, and God doesn't. He doesn't see us. He doesn't see our past. He doesn't see our. Our sins that separate as far as the east is from the west are now seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. So, um, yes, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. And I love this where it says, yeah, when the Lord brings back the captivity of his people. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for Psalm 14. I pray as we enter into uh, Daniel chapter 5 that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and transform us. Lead us, guide us, fill us with power, your love, your joy, your peace, and help us to see something in this word that we've never... Just open our eyes, Lord, to what you want to speak to us, not just in this moment on this podcast, but uh, throughout our day as we sleep. Uh, give us dreams that are come from you, Lord, and gives us, give us vision when we wake up for how to spend the rest of our days. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Man, yeah, teach us to number our days too. All right, here we go. Belshazzar's feast. Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem. <laughs> That the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Uh oh, this doesn't sound good. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king of his lords, the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. Um, doubly not good. Yeah, idol worship again. Verse 5, in the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened, and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the home. Oh, I was daydreaming for a second. Let me read that again. Verse 6. No, verse 5. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Could you imagine that? Like, I'm thinking of that hand from Adam's family that was crawling around. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Just popping up, start writing. No, you ain't got to do that right now. Uh, yeah, I'm good. 
All right, verse six. Then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. So he's terrified. He's petrified. All right. Verse seven. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. Bad move. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this handwriting or this writing and tells me its interpretation should be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck. And he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. So let me pause for a hot second. So this is an example of how Nebuchadnezzar had this whole revelation about God, but he failed to tell his son. Yeah, I believe, yeah. Yeah, his father was Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, he felt, Nebuchadnezzar failed to tell his son, son Belshazzar about the one true God. Either that or Belshazzar was like, oh, big deal, whatever. Daniel, who's he? Who is this God? Anyway, they're talking about what does he have to do with me? The one true God. All right. Here we go. Verse eight. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Nah, could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed and his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. That's a perfect example of um, it's one thing to be known for doing something great in this world, but it's even better or even greater to be known for when people recommend you as a Christian for your work, whether you're a carpenter, an Uber driver, a, uh, a teacher, a, uh, a banker. You get what I'm saying? Fill in the blank. Whatever you do well, you know, you might do uh, what is that one thing? Design. For those of y'all who do like, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Artistic design. Graphic design. There you go. Fill in the blank. Whatever you do. Coding. You know. Cybersecurity. And when you work well, especially when they know you're, you're a Christian too, and you're recommended for different jobs or roles or opportunities that come along, that speaks volumes. It's even more. It's even greater. Like, yeah, when you're a Christian and, and people are saying these things about you, like, so that's what happened here with Daniel. He had a good name, as I said. Good name is rather than be chosen. Sometimes I struggle with some guilt and shame because I've done things in my past to to not have people recommend me for stuff, <laughs> and I, I kind of laugh at it just because at the end of the day, 
those things I might have done, like maybe walked, you know, had a lot of different jobs, walked away from some jobs, maybe is seen as a job hopper, unreliable or kind of fickle or whatever. It's, you know, it's not always a good reputation to want to have, like to have um, as a Christian. I always want people to be speaking highly of you. But at the end of the day, God opinion, God's opinion about you matters even more than what man's opinion is. Because a lot of times it's easy for men as Christians to like look at somebody and think that they're, you know, they have an idea about you, but they don't know your whole story. Even if they have heard your story, they weren't there when you experienced the things that you experienced and they don't know your future. And so my prayer for you and for myself is that despite your shortcomings or ways that you may not have always had a good reputation or giving God a good name or you had a good name yourself, my prayer is that uh, from this day forward that, yeah, your name, there'd be some respect on your name, some respect on your name, and that uh, you would just know that God is, yeah, in, in his timing, he would promote you for those opportunities that you should be in, not ones that um, yeah, that God would promote you and he would send you to the right people that really know you or that would really understand um, who you are and have grace for you. That's the biggest word, capital G. Because you can put, there's all, every day people get recommended for different jobs and roles and they seem like a good fit on paper. But, and even they need grace because people find out that that person doesn't always that person isn't perfect. So even though their resume and the recommendation said this, this, and this. Anyway, all right. In as much as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Hold on a second. Okay. Interesting. I got thrown off for a second because I need to look up the meaning of these names. Ah, it's right down here in my dad's study Bible. Belshazzar was his son. I was like, I know that looked familiar. Belshazzar is what God named, what the name that uh, Nebuchadnezzar gave to uh, Daniel. It says, Belshazzar, whose name means Bel, protect the king, was the eldest son of the Babylonian king. Okay. Nabonidus. What? I thought he was Nebuchadnezzar's son. Alright, this is there. This could go really far. Let me see if there's a All right, Belt Belshazzar means may Bel protect his life. Bel was Babylon's chief god. Interesting. Make so Belshazzar means Bel protect the king, and Bel Belshazzar may Bel protect his life. And B E L was. The Babylonians, Babylon's chief god. Interesting. I'm not going to go that deep because I could go further. 
All right, let's read it again, verse 12. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. All right. So Daniel gets recommended for a job. The writing on the wall explained. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father, the king, brought from Judah. I've heard of you, that the spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing. Verse 16, And I have heard of you, that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. You're going to get a promotion, a gold chain, a little bling bling, and uh, yeah, a purple robe, which back then they had purple royalty. Verse 17, then Daniel answered and, his, and said before the king, let your, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards, rewards to another. Mm, he like, you can keep all your stuff because my rewards come from heaven. Wow, that right there will preach. That right there in itself is a sermon. Those two phrases by Daniel, he's like, I don't need none of your stuff. My reward comes from heaven, not from you. But I'm still going to uh, still do a good job. It's an example of how we sometimes, some of us work at, work for um, secular companies and secular bosses who don't even serve God, and don't have anything to do with God. And it's, in fact, they promote, promote all type, type of antichrist agendas and behaviors. Yet, we still, if that's our employer, we're called to still be a great employee while at that job and to uh, be an example of Jesus Christ, which, you know, is not easy, um, especially when people know you're a Christian and you, there's that pressure to like, oh, I've got to say the right thing, do the right thing. The Holy Spirit, he'll lead you. He'll help you, he'll empower you to do it. <clears throat> and when you mess up, that's a perfect opportunity to be like, hey, I need grace and talk, have a whole conversation with somebody about grace and mercy. Um, anyway, now I'm going to be stealing stuff from your job and then saying, trying to preach about grace and mercy. Um, but if you're a boss and you have somebody who steals from you, it's a perfect opportunity to, or a manager, yeah, talk to your employees about God's grace and his mercy. Um, anyway, where was I? I get on these tangents. <clears throat> Let your gift, verse 17, then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and your and give your rewards to another. You can keep your chain, your purple robe, and yeah, your, your job, your position, your promotion. Yeah, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. Verse 18, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he, be, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. 
whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. <clears throat> Sorry, I got something in my throat. <clears> throat> I promise we're wrapping it up. Only about 10 more verses. 12 more. But verse 20, but when... Uh, actually, 11. All right. Anyway, yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was disposed, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Hmm. His heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride. Pride is one of the greatest sins that like leads to all other sin. Like, if you notice all these kings going back to Pharaoh, these all these different rulers. They all got one thing in common, even Saul. They all got one thing in common, pride, hard hearts. It can happen so quickly. Verse 21, then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was like, his heart was made like the beast and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with dew of heaven, with the dew of heaven. When I think of that, I think he like sweated a lot. Maybe that was a metaphor. Till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over whomever he chooses. Verse 22. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. Mm, you knew all this and you still. Yeah. So that goes back to the question I asked in the beginning. Like, did his father, Nebuchadnezzar, or whoever. Yeah. Or whoever his father was, this other dude, Nabonidus. Did they? Did his father tell him about what happened? The experience of seeing God basically humble him. All right, verse twenty-two. Oh, let's finish this. He said, "Till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over whoever he chooses." Verse twenty-two. But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Although you knew all this and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of Lord of heaven, they have brought the vessels of his house before you and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him and this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, up, harsin. I think I said that right. This is the interpretation of each word. Mene, or mean, M-E-N-E. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, T-E-K-E-L. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Verse 28, Perez, P-E-R-E-S. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Verse 29, then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Belshazzar's fall. Verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Interesting. It's retirement age in the United States. Is it 62 or is it 65 and a half? I think you can retire at 62, but you just don't get as much money as Social Security. So a lot of people wait until about 65. I think that's how that goes. That's what my dad was going to do. He's going to retire at 65, 66, somewhere around there. 
he was going to be 65. Anyway, Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Help us, Lord, to not have hard hearts. Help us to have a heart like Daniel. Who, um, yeah, just, man, so many things you can take from his life. This humility and just the gift that he had to interpret dreams and just how he used that. You use these kings as vessels to promote him and to for him to just be a beacon for your light and your power and your truth. Lord, we, we desire that same thing in our own lives. Help us to stay focused on those things that you have called us to and to just be led of your spirit, Lord, day and night, night and day. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray as we go to sleep, those that are still awake, help us have sweet dreams. Surround us with your angels. Fill us with your power, your love, your spirit, your joy, your peace. We thank you, Lord, for that story of the prodigal son. Help us to just, a lot of us, you might struggle with our past sins or poor choices, Lord. Times we might have backslidden and walked away from you, Lord. And the reminders of what we might have done in our past to deserve hell, to deserve your punishment, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that we have another day. This is the day that you have made, and we can repent. We can turn from our wicked ways. We can accept you into our heart, um, whether it's the first time or for the hundred thousandth time. And Lord, you always forgive and restore us. And repentance is the greatest way to see restoration unfold in our life on this side of earth so we don't have to experience hell on this side of earth we experience heaven here on earth and ultimately we get to experience you in heaven um one that great day and then we can fully rejoice in jesus mighty precious name i pray amen all right y'all enjoy the romans road to salvation recording right after this and uh, God bless you. Ahala. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 5a says, but God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody, everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you never asked Jesus into your heart, or you've walked away from him, and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my savior. 
Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen.